Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, guys. It's the latest episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast. Uh, I'm Halls from Blue Harvest. And uh, I'm here with my buddy Steel. Hey, we're talking, you guys, talking Star Wars history and covering the Star Wars year by year book. Well, it's very exciting news, Halls, because um, as you know, every third Patreon episode, every one divisible by three, I'm putting up on the free feed, and this is episode six. That divides into ah. three perfectly, two times. So, hello, all of Stills listeners, not just the podcast or Patreon subscribers. How's it going? Now give a really sweet hello to the Patreon subscribers. Hey, Patreon patrons. You guys are the best. Yeah. Man, you guys are so awesome. Everyone should thank them now. That they're getting because they they sort of help support the production. Yeah, they make this possible. And then all the freeloaders on iTunes or other platforms of podcasting are enjoying it too. But the uh, while we browbeat you, the concept of this podcast, Star Wars Year by Year, is or Star Wars Year by Podcast, is that we read Star Wars Year by Year, a visual history, updated and expanded to each other. And uh, we just run off from there. So uh, we are up to 1977. And I have to say, up until that time, has to take the uh, Guinness World Record for year containing the most Star Wars news thus far. <laughs> for sure. I think this is going to be a multi-parter. I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, a lot of parts. This is really going to... Um, Dictate the pace of the podcast this episode. Yes. You know, 90, we would say for these busy times, because once we get to like 88, <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be going back and referencing the, uh, the hostage drama on January 9th that had absolutely nothing to do with Star Wars, but is mentioned as one of the first news items of the year in the Star Wars UAE book, because it also covers political and, and social and, and pop culture stuff. But Hawes, get us in to uh, 1977. In the early months of 1977, George Lucas's ILM team is working frantically to complete visual effects shots for Star Wars, and three editors are working long hours to assemble the footage into a cohesive story. Last-minute additions of a monocular monster for the trash compactor scene and a matte painting of the Moss Eisley Cantina's exterior are among the film's final shots. 
Lucas's highest expectation for Star Wars is that it will break even at the box office. It might. I sure hope so, because I'd like to see at least a couple more. Oh, I, I just want that splinter of the Mind's Eye book to come out. Yeah, well. Like, if this movie doesn't go well, I might not get to see that. Yeah, I know, because that's clearly the sequel that we all want. Yes, yes. Now, um, it talks about the the Dinoga. They're having trouble. It's a last-minute addition, which makes me think of two things. One is how that scene would have played out without that shot, Jaws style. Do you know what I mean? Right. Not, not being able to see the menace. Because there's something about that eyeball popping up and, and how it's in that sort of like fast motion, like the camera's mm-hmm. like at a higher rate or something like that, that I don't know. It, it looks different. Do you know what I mean? It's got that jarry sort of um, stop motion thing about it. It's sort of shocking but kind of amusing at the same time. Like it's like, huh, but then it's just like, huh, ha, ha. It's a yeah. Ha-ha. Yeah, the that's one of those things. Like the Dianoga was the concept of it is scary. I don't like uh, stuff under the water. You know what I mean? Like that concept freaks me out. Don't like swimming in like ocean water that I can't touch my feet to the ground of. But uh, the look, like that eyeball, not that scary. Um, definitely would have changed the course of Star Wars video games. Because they sure do like to use that Dianoga as a as a monster or an, as an enemy in like Shadows of the Empire and stuff. It's right up on the checklist with Hoth. Yep. It's like what? The, let's let's cover Hoth, Dianoga, Death Star Trench. Ah, oh, you got to get in that Death Star Trench. What? What scenes of sort of? I reckon like the Sarlacc pit. Is that even in a video game? Is it like like maybe like Super Return of the Jedi or something like that? But is that just too hard a scene to put in video game form? Or am I totally wrong and it's been in like 17 of them? Just thinking of it off the top of my head, it's definitely like you said in Super Star Wars or Super Return of the Jedi. Uh, After you jump over all the scorpions. (laughs) Yeah. Past that, I don't know how often that's been featured there is a scene in the force unleashed where you sort of fight a dianoga and fight around a dianoga or not a dianoga uh, a sarlacc but it's not you know the sarlacc scene from return of the jedi of all the video games where you're fighting around a sarlacc right the manly is, is that the manliest of all star wars video games Probably, probably the lowest. Just, just seeing the covers like slamming three monster energies. Mm, I got one of those boys in the fridge. What? A copy of the Force Unleashed? Yes, and a monster. They sit side by side. They go hand in hand. You buy one, you immediately get the other. Excellent. And of course, the second thing I was thinking about about this Dianoga is in the Star Wars Special Edition, we could have had like all these documentaries and, and <laughs> special segments on Entertainment Tonight introduced by Mary Hart. Star Wars is back! The Star Wars Special Edition! Um, 
And it could have been all this green wire framing of um, the Dianoga coming out of the water. And George Lucas finally could have had the uh, Dianoga that we all wanted. And thus, we would have had uh, a ton of Dianoga merchandise like we did for the, what, are, what were they called? Um, we had the Ronto. Yep. And um, the, the Jubak, Jabba the Hutt. All of them got yeah. toys because of their special edition shine. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other stuff that they did product because that was like the heyday of my Star Wars collecting or sort of the birth. I wouldn't say heyday. I actually collect way more Star Wars stuff now than I did then. But the birth of my Star Wars collecting because it was right around the time when I had my first reliable personal income to buy Star Wars stuff. Personal income. Oh, yeah. You get that taken away when you have a child. Did you know that? That's what I've heard. That is something I've been told many times. My brother-in-law always likes to tell me, like, oh, you buy all that Star Wars stuff now, but wait till you and Jesse have kids. And then I go be like, man, we are not planning on it. I also have no desire to buy any. Yeah. Well, yeah, you were out of it before Harrison came along too, right? I was pretty light. Very light. But I would have loved in one of those, like a beast pack, one of those Star Wars special edition beast packs. You know, they're about the size mm-hmm. of like a like a van shoebox, and you know, to have like a Dianoga and a uh, and the little boxed figure would have been a a wet haired Luke, which I always thought was like, I don't know, do we need wet hair? Like, <laughs> I always found it. The, the the figures that were based on the weather, like a bit can't. Not the weather, but the condi- Like, you've got a Stormtrooper, Luke. I don't need one right. with wet hair as well. Well, you know, that's a, they actually just recently brought out, like, a Black Series wet-haired Stormtrooper, Luke. So they're still going. Well, that's the thing. People go on about the popularity of Star Wars figures these days and stuff. But it's like... They've been selling them pretty consistently since, or very consistently since, like, what, 96? Yeah. It's a long time to be putting out these wet-haired Lukes. Like, when you've got multiple wet-haired Lukes, (laughs) dry your hair off. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm, look, we're, we're, like, two, three weeks away from Forest Friday. Pretty excited, I gotta tell you. You're hoping for a wet head, Ray? Uh, g- give me the, like, on foil stamped cards with, like, the holographic cards. Every character, wet hair, wet hair Poe, wet hair Ray, wet hair Kylo, wet hair Chewbacca. Just R2-D2. Wet-haired. wet-haired. <laughs> so he's got to have, like, a toupee or a little wig, like, maybe, like, on her cover art, but wet. Well, it could be that, that Mr... R2-D2, the one that was on Conan. I can't remember what his name was, but it was like Mr. T, but R2-D2. Oh, yeah. Mr. T-Do or something. Steve Sansweet's got that, I think. Oh, um, really? Yeah, so his mohawk could be wet. But anyway, I didn't even know until I got that uh, Death Star playset that there was actually a Dianoga figure made. Like the American one. Because we we had the English one in Australia, which is the cardboard one. Which you think's the more superior version? Which I do, dude. It's 
it's three or actually four when you count the that there's like a gunner station. I know it's three. It's three. The guns sort of... But anyway, what I'm trying to say is it's three levels of plastic. It's got a working elevator. It's insane. I, I'm not saying I don't like the American version. I think it's cool and it's eventually something I'm going to try to track down for my collection. But I, it's something about the fact I that... I thought, Hawes, that you're a yep. patriot. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like I'm stoked to live where I live, but I mean, I didn't know it came down to like <clears throat> Star Wars toy preferences. Best damn Star Wars playset in the world. <laughs> Woo! Plastic Death Star. Uh, uh, I I think I just like the fact that you know the the cardboard one. It's actually sort of like half of a sphere, right? You know, it's like if you cut off the top portion of the Death Star and circular, like. The American one is like just – I don't know. I also don't really dig the uh, Darth Vader Star Destroyer playset they did in the vintage line. If you remember that one. It's actually How? kind of similar to the Death Star. No, dude. You can't compare. Really? Yeah. The Death Star, it's got levels. An, did I mention the elevator? There is a working elevator. Like, yes, I, I agree – like that's cool, and but, the Dianoga figure is cool. Uh, that, that 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 Star Destroyer one, Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. Like on paper, like in the like the KB Toys like listing, <laughs> like in the computer, saying Darth Darth Vader's Star Destroyer, you know, twenty four ninety nine, whatever. It sounds like one of the greatest toys ever made. But it's essentially just like an office playset. Like I mean, it is. It's just Darth Vader's office. <laughs> and a guy hangs upside down, just like in the movie. <laughs> I love that they, they, there's this thing where you can capture someone and it's just you hang them upside down from a peg. It's just like we need to get some... Like, they talk about playability. It's... There's none. It's like all you can do is have a meeting. Who's going to come to the meeting today, guys? <laughs> Let's mix I mean, it up. Even Let's on invite the box a art, it, it looks like a meeting. Like it looks like a boardroom meeting on the box art for that. Yes. It looks like a, like a um, someone's made a toy version of Succession. I, I hear you talking about that show. I guess I need to check it out. It is... It's one of the best five TV shows I've ever watched. What would be the other four? Seinfeld. I knew that was coming for sure. Okay. I'll probably put Breaking Bad in there. Okay. I'm going to have to put Lost in there. Oh, my man. My man. You can like you can quibble about the end. And I, I didn't share a lot of people's quibbles. And and there was stuff not explained and stuff like that, but the the experience and around it was uh, pretty special. Hey, but we probably should talk about 1977. Yeah. <laughs> the oh wait, I got to tell one more story about the Dianoga. So I um, 
I think the first time you saw underneath it was like Dark Forces on the PC. Did you hit up that one? Oh yeah, I definitely played that. Was that was that Kyle Canard? Kyle Katarn. Kyle Katarn. Did he find? Was he one of the seventeen different people that discovered the Death Star plants? Yes, the very first level of that game. I know this because I've actually uh, I'm actually playing it for something I'm working on. Um, the very first level is stealing the Death Star plans. Excellent. Take that, Jin Erso. What are you doing? Yeah. And what's his relation to Director Critic? It. I don't think there is much of one. <sighs> All right, that's a shame. That's a real shame. But in that game, which I. I would have to play it at my friend Adam's house. He was—he lived near me. He was a couple of years older than me, but he moved to the city. And I would often go stay at his apartment, which was like 30 minutes out of the city. And sometimes I'd go on the weekend and he'd go back home. So I'd have the apartment all to myself. And he had a PC, which we did not have. So I bought that game, Dark Forces, just so I could play it on his computer because you're just so starved for anything Star Wars. So I was just yeah. like, this is amazing. And I remember a Saturday night, I'd get like an obscene amount of KFC chicken and I'd just sit there and pretend I wasn't a raging nerd. Man, that sounds like a lovely evening. Doesn't it? Oh, man. Um you know, something interesting about Dark Forces. So it came out and I think it was 95, right? So we're talking even before like Power of the Force 2 stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's clearly a take on games like Doom and Quake and Duke Nukem, first person 3D, sort of three dimensional games, first person shooters, uh, you know, early versions of that. Um, it was built on a special engine that they came up with called the Jedi engine. And it was one of the first, if not the first of those games that allowed you to look up and down. Really? Yeah. Cause like, if you go back and play the original doom, it's a, it's sort of a fixed perspective. You're always looking straight ahead and you can look left and right, you know, spin around, but you can't look up and down. Wild, because my the, the guy that lives underneath me, he's got one of those Oculus Rift games, and I, and I played that <laughs> Vader Immortal. So neat, right? And the craziest thing is when you look up or down. That's when yeah. you almost fall over. Like to look up and there's a roof. Like there's this bit right at the start. I haven't played very much of it, but um, a star destroyer comes over you. It's oh. I almost did a back... I was just like, So I played it at Celebration. You know, they had like uh, the Oculus booth set up and Mm -hmm. you could go wait in line and play it. So I must have played sort of like um, a shortened demo version because the version I I played, you sort of like woke up on the ground and Darth Vader's standing over you and he hands you like a holocron and you have to like manipulate it almost sort of like a puzzle. Um but yeah, I didn't see a Star Destroyer. I really want to get one of those Oculus setups after playing that thing. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how good they are for your health. 
Oh, you don't think so? I, I just don't. It's like if you just play it now and then, like if you go to a friend's house to play, it's fine. But if you're putting that thing on every day, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not, how, I'm not sure how positive that's going to be for your life. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> I'll report back. Challenge accepted. Uh, I, I just think it's neat that um, specifically Vader Immortal, I haven't looked into a lot of the other things you can get on the new Oculus headset, but it specifically has a seated mode. So you can play sitting down, which I have the PlayStation VR headset, and I was real disappointed to drop all the money on that and then find out like half of the games I wanted to play I couldn't really play because I'm in a wheelchair. So the fact that you know they at least had the uh, the forethought to do that over it, I think it's called ILM X Lab is who developed that game. Uh huh. I really and I, I was really impressed with that. Nice. That is something that, um, yeah, you don't sort of like. It's it's not something I think about when a video game's released. Yeah, and it's honestly not something I've ever really had to consider with a video game, you know. And uh, it, you know, they're always pretty accessible for me, except for you know, like when you got into the Nintendo Wii era, I'd run into that issue occasionally. Um, but yeah, uh, I was glad. Like that was part of the reason I wanted to check it out at Celebration, was to see if they would even let me or if I would be able to. And I was pleasantly surprised that they were totally prepared for that. Like they knew exactly how to get me set up. And next thing I know, I'm swinging a lightsaber around. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> the next thing you know, <laughs> it sounds like maybe they shouldn't have let you play it. <laughs> well. Jesse has some hilarious video of me because she was standing outside of the booth filming. Uh um, And she was like, look, it's so embarrassing that I'm not going to post this on Twitter, but it's hilarious. (laughs) I think she's I think she's holding it over my head as like blackmail. What a caring and very a caring or cunning partner. I'm not sure. A little bit of both. Okay, All right. How about this? It was a darn good story dashingly told and beyond that i can't explain it and that's from sir alec guinness uh when asked about the success of star wars in a 1979 interview sir alec guinness or as we call him on the podcast from now on sag sag Ooh, somebody outside your apartment like that did you hear that i did <laughs> um yeah, do you? So this is not exactly uh, on brand for Alec Guinness when talking about Star Wars. Hey, dude. Uh, hey, SAG. My bad. You're talking this about is, not being on brand, and then you go off brand. Well, is this like some meta thing you're trying to do to me? <sighs> you know, we were talking about the ending of Lost earlier. I was just trying to spice it up for you. I don't know, man. Sag, I don't know. SAG. Uh, Do you remember the first time when you found out that SAG wasn't into uh, Star Wars as much as you hoped he was? I don't remember it, but I remember trying, like, in my head kind of going, nah, he liked it. (laughs) 
Which is something that you sort of see online where people just have a belief and it's like, you know, like George Lucas and the EU. Nah, he loved it. Yep. Oh, he thought that that's, he said that's what the story was going to be. Yeah. Those people are just taking his quotes in context. (laughs) Um, That doesn't prove anything. So I remember it was probably like 95 or 96. It was right around the time that I first got the internet. And I was, I can't remember what Star Wars fan site it was. Sorry. I saw the internet Uh, noise for you. uh, (laughs) Bong, bong, bong. Downloading a a sweet two-second clip from Star Wars and your mom. Picks up the phone to make a phone call. Oh, oh. Um, I can't remember which Star Wars we- uh, fan site it was. I don't believe it was the Force.net back then. Maybe it was like lightsaber.com even. But they had a quote from one of Alec Guinness's biographies. <laughs> lightsaber.com. I can't. Re- like, it's been so long. I can't even remember. Um and that that was the first time it was it was the i think it's fairly well known it's a part from one of his autobiographies where he's talking about meeting uh, a lady and her kid on the streets in london and the kid comes up and tells alec guinness that he's seen star wars 12 times Mm -hmm. and alec guinness sort of berates him for well his mom for letting him do that i guess and i just remember being like oh man i didn't need to know that that's one of those Better left not knowing. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I. it's... I don't know. It's kind of... I don't know. Sobering. I, I just think, like... Like, it's... I don't know. The, the people hold Star Wars up on a pedestal too much. It's like... Let the dude not like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's real to me. Still it, real to me. It proves how good an actor he is, though. That's true. Although, That's true. if he was a great, he could have acted like he he liked it as well. That would have been, you know, he could have <laughs> could have broken the fourth wall in in that way. Now, um, I don't know. In January, they start off with some hostage drama, which is um, oh, it's not even. I thought it was. Wait. You thought it was a real-world hostage situation? Yeah, okay. So did I. Because <laughs> quite often they go into, like, I don't know, like actual things that happened on the planet just to give us a... Uh, like, like in 1976, they talk about the Concorde taking mm-hmm. off. Um, but, yeah, hostage drama, January 9th. Uh, raid on Entebbe. I wish I wish I'd let you read out this one. Airs on NBC Television, directed by Irvin Kirshner. And starring Peter Finch, Charles Bronson, and Yapit Koto. Uh, the film is a dramatization of how Israel Defense Force rescued the Israeli hostages from Palestinian terrorist Palestinian Palestinian sorry terrorists um, in Uganda in nineteen seventy six. So that's just put in for the Irvin Kirshner, surely. Oh yeah, for sure. But this next one is um, quite interesting, Hawes, if you want to uh, take us in. 
<clears throat> January 11th, Mark Hamill crashes his BMW on the Antelope Valley Freeway in California and requires reconstructive surgery to his face. A body double replaces Hamill for the final shooting of additional scenes with the Landspeeder filmed at China Lake Acres north of Los Angeles. Hmm. Is that one of the places you've been? I've never heard of this China Lake China Lake Acres. Let's find out where this is, Oz. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> oh yeah, it is a desert. All right, I don't think I don't think it's Death Valley though. Right there. Why are you being so coy, China Lake Acres? Yeah, it's sort of inland in California. I don't know if it's. Oh yeah, in the Mojave Desert. There you go. So it must be one of those long shots or something with the Vaseline. Oh yeah. They could have just put Vaseline on Hamill's head. <laughs> just vas up, Mark. <laughs> but um, it was always interesting, um, you know, because he had like the scar, and and it was like, did they write the Wampa in to make up for the scar, or like we haven't got there yet? But because like, sometimes there's like folklore that's not real. Like, right. Like um, Boba Fett's Slave One. It was, I think, in concept screen to collectible, Steve Sansweet lied to me, lied, and said it was um, designed after a, like an outdoor light near ILM. But then it, uh-huh. the, the actual story was that um, after it was designed, someone saw the light fitting and went, hey, it looks like Slave One. But um, That is one of those, uh, like, Phil Sostak pieces of information, right? Didn't didn't he break that down on his Twitter recently? Yes, he was was debunking Star Wars. But he did a few. The ones I liked were the ones where he said, it's true. I can't remember what they are, but it was like, about, it's about time Phil went a bit positive with his fandom, you know? <laughs> Instead of all these attacks on, on, on false Star Wars uh, titbits. But um, so in, like, we haven't got there and um, it's a couple of years away. But in your Star Wars, you know, as, as, as uh, the, the young, great Jonathan Grasso would say the beard of knowledge was the Wamper attack written in because of the car crash. Yes. Okay. 
And I actually had some Star Wars beard of misinformation, some mustache of misinformation from my dad when I was a kid who told me that not only was that the case, the car crash Mark Hamill was in was during the filming of Corvette Summer. So for the longest time, I thought that that was a true piece of trivia. And uh, it was it was a very long time before I got corrected on that. Uh, so long that we would say 2019 about five minutes ago when you read that passage. <laughs> So we're all I've been sitting here. Cause. I've been sitting here stewing about it. That's why I've been kind of quiet. <laughs> Do you have to make a phone call to your dad? Oh yeah, yeah. When we get done recording this, Richard Burkhart, he's getting a phone call. Wow, ex McDonald's owner and teller of star wars lies wow all right this is a big one horse march star wars soundtrack march 5th to 16th john williams conducts the london sympathy sympathy <laughs> symphony <laughs> orchestra <laughs> sometimes i feel like i need a london sympathy orchestra uh, to record the Star Wars soundtrack, it is recorded over the course of 14 sessions at Anvil Studios in Denham, England. Hawes, how much yes, do you sir. know about conducting an orchestra? 0.0. Are they getting more info off the music on the bit of paper or the waving of the wand? Uh, thank you. Thank you for asking that because I don't know. Like if you're if you're reading the music in your little booklet, then what is the purpose of the conductor? If the conductor is telling you what to do, then what's the purpose of the booklet? Now, I know it's different when you've written the music. Right. Like John Williams wrote the music. Very impressive. But to the layman. To the layman, I don't want to. I don't want to offend any conductors out there. It does seem like either they're not doing anything really, or we're so naive that we don't understand how much they're doing. And like, if they weren't there, the like the symbol guy would be like just bumping into the drum guy. <laughs> so that as you were talking, I wondered: is it? Is he there to cue the different instruments? So, like, let's say, you know, you have, like, you're talking about a cymbal. A guy banging the cymbal. Is, is the conductor's job to be like, all right, dude, it's your go. You, you start doing your cymbal stuff. And then, like, oh, oh, horns. We need some horns. I don't understand. It doesn't seem like he's got that many, like, movements, like, gestures to really let the the symbol know guy know it's his time. Do you know what I mean? I do. I I know exactly what you mean. It's just one of those things that I've never said out loud because I was like, well, this is going to be one of those things that everybody knows and you don't. So just uh, go with the flow. And thankfully, my buddy Steele right along there with me. Oh, dude, 
We are Thelma and Louising off the cliff of musical <laughs> stupidity. <laughs> like, I, I, I have no doubt that whatever they're doing is very important, but I'm taking a bullet for people, for morons like me and you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you've been to see John Williams, right? Yeah. Yeah. So is that, like, is that basically, is he there so you can just see John Williams? So you can be like, I saw John Williams, you know? Like, is clearly it must be a necessary component to a symphony's performance to have the conductor. But, like, like you, you don't see a conductor at, like, a, any other concert, you know, there's like 32 members in Slipknot. They don't have a conductor. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, messed up guy in the clown mask, hit that keg or whatever it is they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I, I'm glad, dude, I'm glad I'm not alone. That's a huge relief off my chest. It's the highs and lows of Star Wars year by <laughs> podcast. Like, I find out my dad lied to me. And then I found out my buddy Steele and I have the same question about conductors. I found out my friend is as dumb as me. Yeah, man. It's, there's solace in that. <laughs> he waved his stick around, don't he? <laughs> <laughs> he would do a real good job with that stick stuff. And Johnny Boy, where's that stick? <laughs> Mate, the tambourine man tambourine. Oh, my God. I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl, and he does less and less each year because he's getting older. And that he right. has like someone that, like come in and cover him for the first bits. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It like as I say, it has to be something. Like it has to be something very special. But it does seem like the emperor's new clothes, like to the to the guy that's read a few, just a few conspiracy theories on the internet. <laughs> so you know who I bet knows this answer for sure. And would think, like, right now, as he's listening, I can only imagine him just shaking his head in disapproval. And that's Robbo. I bet you Robbo knows the answer to this. <laughs> he would. He would. Struthers probably knows as well. Oh, absolutely. He's got way better hair than Robbo. Ah, you know, I've, I, if Robbo walked in my front door right now, I wouldn't know who it was. That's the beauty of it. I, I he could he walk down my street and I'd be like, "Hey, how's it going?" And then if he said something to me, I'd be like, "That man, that dude sounded like Robbo. Weird." <laughs> that would be the weirdest, just to hear him order something at Starbucks and like, and and the order would be like, you know, he wants like half a shot of caramel or something. Like, it would be, <laughs> there'd be there'd be. There'd be details. There'd be details. You know, one time they had like one of those get togethers in New York for like New York Comic Con or something. Uh And Michael Pappas FaceTimed me and Robbo was there and he passed the phone around. And when the phone got to Robbo, he turned the camera away, like around from front facing. So he talked to me on FaceTime, but I didn't see his face. He purposely didn't let you see his face. 
I don't know if it was on purpose. I just went with the flow because I'm awkward on a FaceTime call anyway. So, like, I was like, well, this is actually a little more comfortable for me. So, gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, he's not a, um, like, have the camera on on Skype guy. Yeah. Which is probably better. I like, I, I don't want to see the face. <laughs> like, I, I want, I want to, like, dehumanize him. I, I want to make him just as much as just like just this random dude on an internet group chat. But uh, March 8th, there's some big things going down in 1977 Hawes. I don't know yeah. if you mentioned this, but March 8th. The first issue of Marvel Comics 6 issue adaption of Star Wars hits the stands with a cover date of July. Writer Roy Thomas and artist Howard Chaikin Work from Lucas's screenplay and limited visual references to create the comic, which includes a scene where Luke witnesses a space battle over Tatooine before he meets Big Dark Lighter at Anchorhead, a scene that Lucas has already decided to cut from the film. Chaikin and Tom Palmer collaborate on the cover art, which echoes the layout of the poster Chaikin had created for the previous year's San Diego Comic-Con. On the cover, both Luke and Ben Kenobi weld red lightsabers and Darth Vader's helmet is green. 20th Century Fox executives doubt the promotional value of the comic adaption, but Star Wars, number one, or as the kids would say now, Star Wars hashtag one, quickly (laughs) sells out. I used to do this bit, Hawes, about how on a keyboard, the story of the hashtag button or the pound key is the story of show business. And you just, okay. you just got to stick it out. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just got to stay in the game to get success. Oh, okay. Because for years, it wasn't getting, it was the pound key, right? You know, Number you, you, key, had to, you had to hear key. shift and three to use it. You know, no one want, like people are using dollar sign, exclamation point, mm-hmm. uh, percentage occasionally. Yep. Fancy people are using that and button, brackets. They're getting a good run, right? Yep. Pound, nothing. Then email comes along and that's and at that's, time to shine. Dude, at shot to the the punctuation celebrity pool like meteorically oh it used to just be like email. squiggly a what's squiggly a doing like who knew how did it even like before email right how did it even get on the keyboard <laughs> like what was its purpose horse i have no maybe it was for coding like maybe it was used i don't know this is once again this this i don't know so anyway, that could have been, like, once email came along, because it could have been, like, whoever made up email, whatever, it could have been, like, whores, hashtag, Gmail. Right. But they didn't. They, they went for at. And so, hashtag's just there, or, or pound, right? Yeah, pound key. He's just, like, oh, passed over again, but he's stuck in it. He, social media came up. He rebranded as hashtag, and now he's like the key. He's like one of the hottest keys on the keyboard, horse. And that 
It's the story of show business. It's inspiring, really. It's got to stay in the game, mate. It's got to stay in the game. Keep digging, man. Keep at it. Keep at it, hashtag. But anyway, uh, Star Wars number one. I didn't have this, but I had the, like the, I think it was like a UK Marvel annual, which was like a giant sized version, like a tabloid Mm -hmm. hardcover. Um, and very similar cover art, I believe, which was frustrating. Like they really, it's like they got for all the covers and the, 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 what is the Hildebrandt brothers? The one they did as well. The classic. Mm -hmm. It was like, like, you know, when I don't know the photo, maybe it's a photo around JFK or something. But it looks like someone's got, like, an iPhone in the photo. Oh, like those weird time traveler photos? Yes. Yeah. So it just looks like someone in the old photo, ye olde, has got an iPhone. And Mm -hmm. whatever. He's probably just holding a brick. Who knows? But it's like the people that did this art are time travelers. And they went to Toys R Us in 96 Got himself some Star Wars figures. Yeah. Went back to 77 or 76 and dropped some art because they, they, it, Luke Skywalker, more often than not in this early art, looks like he should be on Eternia, not Tatooine. Dude, I was going to, like, looking on the cover up in the corner, like right below, like the 30 cents in the July 1st. Mm-hmm. Like him standing there with the lightsaber, he looks like he man. The hair, look at his hair. He looks like Prince Adam. Yeah, yeah, more like Prince because he's got like the sash. Mm-hmm. I hate. I use the term flippantly. Old school Y wing drawings. Yeah, oh, like really? The real wiry Y wing. Oh, the real Macquarie-ish one. Oh, so the one that's a little more inspired by the concept art. Yeah, like the one on this cover now. It's, it's mm-hmm. like got those re- the really thin sort of cross beams. Don't like it. Don't like it. The X-Wing, I normally did. Now, now I can like the X-Wings. Now I can go, oh, it looks like a resistance one. But I don't know, the Y-Wing. I, I think it annoyed me seeing the art that art in the 90s. Get your Y-Wings right, buddy. Come on. Pick it up. Yeah, this is all, like, Princess Leia's got red hair and she's wearing black. And she's praying. Han Solo. I don't even know what the hell he's wearing. He's using a red gun. Like, it's all over the place. It's because the black ones, they were too dangerous. People thought they were real guns. Oh. And I guess it also would have sort of blended in with the space background. And Darth Vader's green helmet, it looks like he's just had a hard... He did acid on St. Patrick's Day. Like His, <laughs> his eyes have got furnaces in the middle of them. And, uh, yeah, his helmet's green. It's definitely a take. That is a way to take Star Wars art, that's for sure. Hey, Hawes, in April, they brought out Star Wars comic number two. Yep. <clears throat> Very un-Star Wars-y to bring out a 
a story in succession, by the way. Um, do you want to take us through this one, mate? Yeah. Marvel Star Wars number two ships cover date August. The issue features Han Solo's meeting with Jabba. Lucasfilm had informed the comics creative team that Jabba would not appear in the film, but uh, allows penciler Chaikin to base Jabba's likeness on a photograph of an alien that the film's production department called variously Walrus, Ming, or Mingo. <laughs> <laughs> Mingo definitely sounds like something, a nickname we would have given someone in high school. Uh, I mean, like that's what Australians do, right? They just sort of add like an O to Lindo, Robbo. Horzo. No, you'd be Horsey. Yeah, uh, that's what I've heard. Um, You notice in the artwork for this issue, there's a blue snaggletooth in there. I bet no, he's not a blue snaggletooth. He's an elderly Smurf snaggletooth. Yeah, I guess it's more about the clothes, not the face. Yeah, he. Um, but that Mingo, it's actually making me remember people I went to school with. Just hearing that Mingo. <laughs> oh my god, weird. So Jabba the Heart, he's um, he's like. You know how there was those flip books when you were uh, in the 80s and, like, there was different parts of it. There was an Empire Strikes Back one, actually, which was, uh, I would love to get that, where it was like you could put different things, like parts of someone together to make a new outfit. Like, so, oh, okay. So it's a book with pictures. And mm-hmm. so just say you've got a head, a, uh, a middle, and then legs. And so... Those pages turn separately to each other. Am I making sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. So, and it's got like a wire spine, so they mm-hmm. can all move freely. And you could make it like uh, is it, there's an Empire Strikes. But it was like it was it was very cool. But anyway, this guy, Jabba the Hutt's head looks like a head version of that, where the top bit looks like monkey, mm-hmm. and then. He's a little nose. walrus man from the bottom down. Yeah, I was going to say like a tauntaun and then like the mm. bottom bit like a catfish, but they're into 90s scar and he's got a little goatee as well. Is that a goatee <laughs> or is that part of his jacket? I think that's more like sideburns, right? Oh, oh no, no, I was no, looking no, at the thing in the middle. That, that's his collar. But yeah, he's yeah. got these little like sideburn catfish things. But yeah, Jabba the Heart is... Very bizarre, but I got to give props. You got Jabba the Hutt. He's like green. He's wearing an orange um, imperial looking uniform. Then you got then you've got very blue Snaggletooth. What about stunned dude behind him? That's me. Look at that beard. <laughs> That's me. Is that Horsey? Yeah, it's Bingo Horsey and blue Snaggletooth. Very blue Snaggletooth. Nice. Did you watch that um, that Star Wars making of show where they showed like the Scottish the Scottish dude as Jabba the Hutt? Uh, the first time I saw that, and it's probably the one you're talking about, is from Star Wars to Jedi. Yes. Yes. That was just mind blowing. Uh, 
like seeing that for the first time. I think <clears throat> I saw that for the first time. They did like a either the first release or the re-release of that on VHS, that documentary. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, I mean, there's no other Star Wars coming out. I'm going to watch that. And it blew my mind. I knew about the Jabba scene from like the novelization and stuff. But I guess as a kid, I thought that the novelization was written after all three movies, you know? So like, it was like um, sort of retroactive continuity added to the books. I didn't realize that the book came out like before the movie. Um, so to actually see that they tried to film that and had a guy in like a big fur coat and stuff, crazy. So good. It was just, I, I never even considered there was bits filmed for a movie that weren't in the movie. Yeah. It was staggering to me. Like, it seemed like it, like, the, like, I should tell as many people as possible. <laughs> like, you know, there was a bit film for Star Wars that's not in the film? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, Star Wars sneak preview, May 1st. The first public screening of Star Wars takes place in San Francisco's North Point Theatre. You don't hear much about this horse. No. Mind you, it is on page 55 of this book, so they're not trying to keep it secret that well. To maintain secrecy, they advertised it on the 55th page of a Star Wars book. (laughs) To maintain secrecy, the invitation-only preview screening is advertised on the marquee as the world premiere of Alaska. Although the sound mix is not complete, the preview is a huge success with the audience. I have... Never even heard of this Alaska before. Me neither. This is this is definitely one of those bits of information I had no idea about. Like, your podcast is called Blue Harvest. Right. Because that's the code name that Return of the Jedi was under. Right. There's no podcast out there called Alaska, a Star Wars Star- podcast. I, I mean, it's up for grabs, everybody. Go for it. I'm I'm already thinking of how Alaska would look in Star Wars font on a T-shirt. <laughs> Dude, that is a deep cut. Like that is some inside Star Wars knowledge for a T-shirt right there. Dude, we we like we're the target market for this T-shirt, and we don't even get it. <laughs> it's set to fail, dude. It's set to fail. Uh, posters by Tom Jung commissioned to create a poster for Star Wars artist Tom Jung loosely bases Luke and Leia's pose on the heroic action style of famed fantasy artist Frank Frazetta and adds a white streak across the top of the lightsaber's beam to form a cross now this is what I'm talking about this is the style A theatrical one sheet and like Luke Skywalker, his shirt. He's getting about by like that. Um, <laughs> what was that lady's name? Um, there was a lady in Seinfeld, and she wore like the Today top or something. She didn't. She just wore a bra as a top. That's how Luke Skywalker's getting about. Because 
eyes up here, his breasts are huge and they're hanging out of his little top here in just very... This is Power of the Force 2 Luke Skywalker at his finest. And um, Hawes... Yes, sir. I might have to report this on my YouTube channel. But is this style a theatrical one sheet? A Star Wars ring theory connection with Luke Skywalker's sky- lightsaber crossing over a la Kylo Ren's crossaber. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Star Dude. Wars poetry. It all rhymes. It all rhymes. Love the Star Wars ring theory, but when people post photos of people in different Star Wars films in a cockpit in <laughs> pretty much the main angle that anyone shoots anything in a cockpit and then talk about the visual mastery of Star Wars, I'm like, you're killing me, buddy. You're killing me. Um, I love this poster just because I've seen it for so long. But, man, I think I prefer the half sheet, the other version they have on the page. Because it's got the X-Wings in it, like, more clearly coming in from the side. I like the different angle on Vader's helmet. It's a pretty neat poster. Yeah, the half sheet, I'm, like, now that I look at it closely with that angle of Vader's uh, helmet, I'm not very familiar. But no. I, 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 I'm not <coughs> a fan of this poster. I, it's like a classic Star Wars poster, but... Just that it's so stylized and like Princess Leia is somehow showing her entire leg. Yes. And her dress is low cut. Like, you know, in the movie, that dress goes all the way up her neck. Not in this poster. Yeah. Um, she's like um, like a sexy nun going to Halloween. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh so we were talking about He-Man earlier. Like, is there any way that He-Man wasn't in some way inspired by this poster? Specifically this poster. Right? Dude, you are getting in way over your head, horse. You know, you know, you're a He-Man fan. The, the right. creation, the inspiration for He-Man is one of the, the most hotly debated topics in toy history. And you're, I know. And you're, now you're adding this. This hot chili into the pot. But does it not look like Prince Adam holding the sword of power over his head and saying, I have the power? It looks you know, like- ridiculously like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I don't know, man. I think we might have cracked the code. You want to make a documentary? I don't know, man. I, I think this is like we're making some big breakthroughs here. You know, we- we've outed He-Man. We've outed... Conductors worldwide for their hoax. <laughs> I just feel, I just, I just, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if we're like we're playing with things we shouldn't be playing with. You know, you get a knock on the door tonight from the Conductors Association of America, or it's like, like before- are, you a, are you a are you a musician or from Mattel? Either, <laughs> either way, someone's coming for me. Uh, Star Wars comic number three, May number 10, May number 10, May 10th. 
Uh, Marvel Star Wars hashtag three ships cover date September. In this issue, the Millennium Falcon enters the Death Star. Because of limited visual reference for the comics creative team, the Falcon lacks laser cannon turrets and the Death Star does not appear nearly as immense as it will in the film. It does look like... So they've got a sequence here of the Falcon getting... um, Track like uh, tractor beamed in, and the scale looks like the scale of the like nineteen ninety five Micro Machines Death Star playset and the Falcon that went mm-hmm. with it. It's like I don't know how big's the Death Star in this. Like, um, not th- like it's it's more a. Uh, I guess a space station that people would expect. It's like Star Trek DS9 or something. It's not very big. No, not at all. It is. You know what? I bet you it's about as big as the central like sphere on one of those Trade Federation command ships. Yeah. In this picture. All right. So just so you had a soccer ball. And a Micro Machines scale Millennium Falcon. Perfect. Bang. So it looks like it would be a major bit of, um, you know, like everyone on the Death Star be like, hey, there's this ship here. We've only got room for a few ships. Why is it here? But um, that's not how it played out. How's this um, cover of uh, Marvel Comics number three? Why does Chewie look like so much like an ape in that picture, man? And Luke tearing down the hallway of the Death Star, blaster and lightsaber in hand. I love it. Double fisting. Yeah. And that Chewie looks like the Sasquatch in that. He does. He looks like a monkey cosplaying as Chewbacca for Halloween. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, also in 1977, Vader promotion, Charles Liptoncott, who we talked about last episode, enlists Kermit Eller, an employee at Don Post Studios, to wear the Darth Vader costume at the American Booksellers Association convention in San Francisco in May. Eller will continue to personify Darth Vader at future public events. And he is... An actual prop. From the movie. Oh, he's wearing the actual suit. Yeah. Wow. And he he looks like the most humblest, like, librarian-looking dude. And um, he's rocking around uh, California's Darth Vader. Ooh, I like that invitation. Oh, Los I- Angeles, may the force be with you this Saturday. There is a um, yeah an invitation like a flyer to go meet uh, Kermit and the Darth Vader illustration with this sort of wide mouth and these like the the bottom bit of his helmet really like bowling out it 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 angers me, horse. It's so bad. <clears throat> You know, it's it's what I like about all this stuff is seeing sort of the early days of Star Wars before they had like I don't know what the term is like 
licensor approved material because this is something that would never happen today. You know, like when they go to make The Force Awakens, they yeah. have a select number of images of Kylo Ren. Yeah, that I licensors. Know. Like, like they're going to do like a preview post. They're not just going to let some artist like like get a likeness right. of, a, of a toy or something like that. They're not going to do stuff like that. Yeah, not in 2019. No. <laughs> no, definitely. You know, they're definitely not going to take, even though it's a high-end toy, you know, and put that on a poster. It, it looks like the likeness they got was from, like, a melted Darth Vader candle. Oh, no, or, no, no. An inflatable Darth Vader that's, like, lost half its air. Yeah, like those the, those big inflatable Christmas decorations that are, like, Darth Vader with the Santa hat on. Yes, yeah. And it's, like, it's like, it's December 28th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, Hawes, over the page, this could be a, a good time to uh, split the episode. Definitely. But we'll give it some sizzle. This is next time on Star Wars Year by Podcast. Hawes, give us the read. The release. Star Wars opens in 32 theaters in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York on May 25th. Lucas is sitting in a hamburger hamlet across the street from Man's Chinese Theater, previously Grauman's Chinese Theater, when he sees a huge crowd and then limousines pull up. Man's Chinese Theater has the biggest opening day in its 50-year history, taking in $19,358 at approximately $4 a ticket. The limousines belong to Playboy founder Hugh Hefner and his entourage, who watched the movie twice in a row. We'll talk about this next episode, but I, I, I just I want to leave this final thought. Of Star Wars is so good that Hugh Hefner gave up precious orgy time. <laughs> to watch it twice. Twice. Hey, Hugh, can you go again? Hell yeah, I can go again. <laughs> well, I was made to go again. <laughs> I was born ready. It's it's wrong porn reference, I think. But <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy. So we'll be in the thicker things uh, next episode. Very exciting. Hawes, let yes, the good people of the internet that um, now listen. I got to tell you, you can save your little promo. Hawes and his buddy Will. They do this podcast called Blue Harvest. It comes out every Friday or Saturday morning, and I look forward to it. I've spent many a soothing Saturday morning doing my dishes. It's I I do a lot of cleaning with your podcast, Hawes, and it's 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 always a relaxing vibe. Good nice. chat, good Star Wars insight. Quite often, I will text you a live commentary of what you're talking about. I'm so engaged. Yes, I know if I get a text about an episode of Blue Harvest, I've probably said something real dumb. <laughs> I don't. I no. I sometimes I just like I said to you, are there Mandalorians in the Mandalorian? I think that was the last thing I I texted. Now that is true. That is true. Are there other Mandalorians yes. in the Mandalorian? Yeah, <clears throat> that is true. I I am incorrect in that assessment i don't uh, yeah i i no see i i think you're just being too um paranoid there i, I normally 
I'm, I'm normally informed and my imagination is sparked by the discussion rather than um, I'm, uh, I'm fact-checking. I'm not fansplaining you. Oh, I've never felt fan, fansplained, but you, you have been like, well, I know the one I'm referencing is the time that I said the, the word Stan <laughs> like three or four times and you texted me and you're like, if you say the word Stan one more time, I'm never listening to your podcast again. That's the one I'm thinking about. It's just not on brand. I think it, I honestly, uh, I'm pretty sure that was sometimes I will do something solely to get a, a crack out of someone else, like one listener. And that was an attempt at getting under your skin. Okay. So you're very, um, Steve Buscemi with his hat on backwards. Hey. <laughs> Holding a skateboard over my shoulder. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Uh, but yeah, high recommendation for uh, Blue Harvest. And the Blue Harvest Patreon has tons of uh, content. What, what are the latest episodes that you've uh, banged up there, Horse? So we put up an episode of Masters of Harvest Kasi which is a video game show with uh, King Tom and I. We had Robbo on as a, a special guest last episode. Um, and I have a solo episode to put up. That'll be going up tonight or tomorrow. Tight. When do you want to put this one up? Whenever, you're, whenever it's ready, buddy. Okay. You let me know. And I'll put it on up. Excellent. Uh, and if you want to check out the Steel Wars Patreon, it is three bucks a month and uh, you get whores. You also get uh, King Tom and his Page Wars podcast, which we're, we're, uh, we might actually do one tonight. I, I, I want to know about this Snoke comic. Dude, I love that show. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, man. It, well, for one, it is exactly what I need to keep up with all these Star Wars books because I also don't have much time to partake in them. And, like, I just love your reactions to, let's say, some of the sillier things that come out of these. Well, I, 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 I like, in no way entertainment-wise should be, should uh, we be compared. But I, I kind of feel like it's, like, the Star Wars version of the Dolp, you know the podcast. Okay, yeah, the yeah. Dolp, and um, I'm friends with those guys. And uh, Gareth from the Dolp's been on the podcast, and they've both been on my other podcast tons of times. But like in the 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 premise of that is that Dave reads Gareth some story out of American history, mm-hmm. and he reacts to it. And sometimes. When King Tom tells me something just so out there, it's just like I, I, I feel like we're in this Star Wars nerd version of the dollop where it's just like this story is unbelievable. But I, I, I went to the comic book shop. I went to Green Apple, very famous comic book shop around the corner from me. Sold out. Little sign saying sold out of Snoke. Oh, interesting. Like they have signs up for other sold out comics. Like it's not right. like it's not like that chicken burger at Popeyes and. You know, people going crazy, but I, um, I definitely went, and I was like, maybe I'll get this because I, um, maybe I want some first-hand knowledge of it. But sold out, so uh, 
good sign. All that all that chatter about it because I know it's been um, heavily tweeted. Hey, I just flicked. I was just like busying my fingers as I talked, and I flicked forward in the book, and I came up against this like. I don't even know what it was. Like this animated Han Solo in a land speeder or something. It was bizarre. It was in the 2000s <laughs> somewhere. I, oh, my God. I'm flicking through this now and, God, there's some images of Star Wars that are bizarre. I, look. I wish we could do this podcast every day just to I know, get up to this stuff. So much stuff I want to get to. Like, I try not to look too far ahead. Like, I always browse forward a little bit when we do an episode. Like, when we're done, I'll be like, oh, I'll look through it a little bit. But, man, there's some great stuff coming up. Cop this. 2008, May 13th, Invincible. The legacy of the Force novel series concludes with Invincible by Troy Denning. Jaina Solo hunts down her Sith-turned brother, Jaken, in a final duel. With gut-wrenching consequences, she kills her twin. Is it Jaken or Jason? Jason. That's annoying. It is. It's like... Oh, you mean that EU book or the, the name? The, na- the spelling. Just say, say Jason. Like it's, yeah, it's 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 like the turn of the millennium baby names. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, no buys, no buys. Uh, but yeah, invincible. Do you read that one? Uh I think Legacy of the Force was around the time I started drifting off. I know for I finished the New Jedi Order, but I think after that. I kind of lost the desire to pick them up. Dear God, we have to get hurried on this. There's On the same page, there's three different Spike TV promotional posters for the Star Wars mm-hmm. trilogy. Yep. Each one, worse, a worse use of the license than the previous. <laughs> oh, my God. But, but still, it's Disney that's killing Star Wars. Dude, Chewbacca, the original wingman. <laughs> Gold bikinis never go out of style. Woof. And finally, a guy can only be called Annie so many times before he snaps. I remember that one. Jeez. You, I actually have that poster in my living room. <laughs> That's why I remember it. You're in a polygamous relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse's like, can we please take that down? Like, I don't want to have to be asked about it every time we have guests over. And I'm like, no, it stays. It makes a solid point. You get called (laughs) Annie all the time. See how you like it. All right. Well, what sizzle for episode uh, 723 of of this podcast? (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, I just came across an awful one. Why? And this is from an unexpected source. Page 308. Right it's, a, it's Ashley Eckstein. 
voice of Ahsoka Tano herself wearing a t-shirt with Darth Vader and Leia on it, and it says, Daddy Issues. Oh, <laughs> that page is so full of bad stuff. <laughs> Ooh. Damn. Ooh. 2010. Ugh. Making it back strikes back, but that was good. Uh, alrighty. We should, um, we should go. We should go. Because I'll sit here and do this all night. Oh, my God. All right, Oz, that was the best of time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much to uh, the Blue Harvest and the Steel Wars patrons for uh, supporting the show so we can record it for you. And uh, if you enjoyed this um, all-access episode, there's another five episodes. That the, the, th- the thing I like about this show, Oz, mm-hmm. timeless. Timeless. Yeah, we're not talking about news that broke on... IGN two weeks ago? No. Timeless. Talking about what Ashley Eckstein wore in the in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> you can talk Timeless. about that anytime. Timeless. Gather the family around. It's going to be a, um, a big run of podcasts. Hollis, take us out, buddy. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. And may that force be with you. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.